We were truly blessed to have the congressman with us to really encourage us, motivate us, appreciate us. And I think the message he left us with, bring the messages back to the various races. Those of you who can, take him up on that. Those of you who come from different parts of the world, let's take him up on that in our countries. Because if we don't find a way to elevate this, we are going to keep treading water. However, we have with us a wonderful keynote speaker, and we are very much looking forward to his remarks. This is Rob Johansson, Chief Economist at the U.S. Department for Agriculture. Rob, welcome. Well, thanks very much, Rahul, for inviting me, and uh, for my colleagues at FAO and IFPRI also for asking me to come and speak today. Um, I think I'm the, uh, the one speaker out of the seven that comes at this issue from the production side. Um, we will hear, obviously, a lot of talk about uh, that from that we just saw from from uh, Maximo uh, and the speakers that are following on the on the consumption side. Um, but I, I do want to say that uh, this issue is near and dear to my heart. Um, although I don't have as much time to work on it these days at, at USDA, my, I just wanted to note my first job with the U.S. government was as an extension agent in rural Zaire, uh, now a Democratic Republic of Congo, um, a country that we see continues to suffer from significant uh, food insecurity from the report. Again, I won't um, uh, retread a lot of information that's already been talked about, but just wanted to point out for the SDG number two goal, as pointed out by Maximo just now, there's a downward trend, and of course this doesn't even pick up the most recent information from this year's SOFI. Um, and of course since 2015 we've seen significant downturns highlighting the importance of economic slowdowns in these, some of these regions, particularly in, in, in Africa. Obviously, many of these factors contribute to food insecurity, and they're linked, whether that be conflict, slowing global demand for commodities, um, and that will all show up in, in metrics um, that we measure looking at uh, economic slowdowns and um, shocks to economies. As previous SOFIs have looked at, and of course, as we consider and look at um, as well when we think about what investments we can make in in science and um, research, uh, uh, research and development. We know that there's lots of growing resource concerns out there, um, whether that be growing population, it, uh, significant urbanization, um, uh, climate change, and also uh, access to water, both from agricultural production but also to uh, consumers. For example, we know that water stress is likely to continue to increase. We know that Roughly 3.6 billion right now, half the world's population live in areas that are water scarce for at least one month a year, and this is set to rise as the population approaches 10 billion by 2050. By that time, as many as 5 billion people, estimated by UNESCO, um, could be uh, denied regular supply of water by 2050. And of course, this Sophie digs a little bit more into economic slowdown and economic shocks. Um, as uh, Maximo highlighted in some of his slides, um, and I just wanted to point out that um, for those of you that have time and interest, please uh, look there because um, there's a lot of, as Maximo said, he tried, uh, the SOFI tries to disentangle a lot of these effects, whether using different econometric techniques that are very interesting um, to look at and certainly looking for a lot of published, published research coming out of this SOFI. How can we meet some of those challenges? Well, uh, the congressman just talked about a lot of things that we can do, of course, uh, we can invest in uh, stabilizing the macroeconomic conditions um, here and in other countries, uh, trying to stabilize economic growth, I think is one of the take-home points from this, Sophie. Continued investment in agricultural productivity, we know, is going to yield uh, significant benefits relative to the cost of those investments. 
And of course, significant reductions in trade barriers is another thing that I'd like to highlight that um, likely will show up in, in the, uh, the SOFI next year as well, as well as some of the USDA reports that I'll touch on at the end. Of course, this SOFI, as well as um, our re uh, most recent um, reports, do not uh, capture some of the downturns in economic conditions. Um, this year, for example, we see that, uh, that the IMF just came out with slower global growth, most of that occurring in emerging and developing countries, translating into as much as um, $1.7 trillion lo loss of buying potential for uh, food and uh, likely to contribute to insecurity um, going uh, at least for next year's um, snapshot at, at looking at what the 2018 as well as the 2019 numbers look like. That reflects weakening financial markets, capital outflows from major, major emerging markets such as Turkey, Argentina, and Brazil, uncertainty about trade policy, and concerns over China's economy. And it does not, th this uh, estimate didn't take into account recent Middle East turmoil or more serious trade friction since mid April. A prime driver of food security is the growth and adequate supplies of uh, agricultural products relative to population growth. We know, of course, that population growth is slowing. Um, but continued increases, at least through 2050, are expected in sub-Saharan Africa, where we have a significant amount of undernourishment and food security is the weakest. So technology, one thing that we look at is, well, <clears throat> what types of technologies can help us uh, continue to produce enough food to uh, outpace that growth and demand, or whether it will outpace that growth and demand? There's a lot of uh, different types of technologies that, are, that we don't know will be available over the next 10 to 20 years, but certainly we've been looking at this over time, and I think this is consistently reflected in both FAO's forecasts as well as the OECD. But we see that over time, um, uh, decline in real food prices is certainly uh, one of the positive aspects of uh, agricultural production over the last 50 years or so. Um, corn output in incre increasing by more than 435 percent since 1960, soybeans up by more than 1,000 percent, rice up by 225, and wheat by 215 percent. Of course, um, proteins from meat sources are likely to become more important as well going forward. We also see uh, significant declines in real food pr or real meat prices. Uh, here I'm showing uh, livestock, poultry, and milk prices. In U.S. prices, of course, um, this will differ by uh, which part of the uh, globe we're talking about. And of course, we don't know <coughs> a lot of what technology will bring us. As I mentioned, my first job at the U.S. government was in uh, Zaire, and um, this was our technology here on the left-hand side of the screen at that time, pointing out where I was going to be posted. Um, uh, today, 20 years later, uh, um, one is able to go on uh, Google Maps and dial in. I can find my village, even though it's not labeled and very difficult to identify, even on Google, Google Maps. But um, certainly, I can still pick out where my fi the fish ponds are that I was working on at the time. Um, and so just pointing out that Technology over the next 20 years is going to open a lot of um, possibilities for not only developed but developing countries. We know that <clears throat> one area of increasing uh, productivity comes from utilization of science and technology, and we certainly have seen an increase in biotechnology uh, being utilized by a number of producers, both in the United States as well as some of the countries that we're concerned about um, going forward. And I just wanted to highlight as well, while we know that we are producing significant amounts of food, getting it to the countries is, uh, is both important, but also we know that trade does promote um, improved economic returns as well, knowing that certainly we can see that improvement 
generally speaking, in real GDP growth um, is pushed along by uh, freer trade uh, as well as that's mapped out by real trade growth. And of course, we see some significant downturns here with, with respect to the Asian financial crisis and the global financial crisis in 2008 uh, to 2010. Um, of course, uh, going forward, again, the more uh, gloomy side of this is that forecast going forward is for relatively stagnant uh, economic and trade growth. Over the past 15 years, we know that global trade in agricultural products has, has more than doubled, and in some countries, by much more than that. Certainly looking at China, it's increased by 10 times over the last 15 years, and we would expect that to continue. One thing that uh, contributes to that is the um, explosion of regional trade agreements, and here we can see some analysis looking at some uh, regional trade agreements that are monitored by the WTO. Um, growing to more than 290 uh, in force um, in 2019. Um, only about, as, as, as most recent as 20 years ago, that was only 50 uh, regional trade agreements that were in force at the time. Talking a little bit about consumer preferences, um, I'll stray a little bit outside my lane, but we do know that certainly the middle class, uh, or middle class families are likely to increase substantially over the next 10 years. Um, certainly in China and India, we're expected to see a, um, uh, 874 million households reaching uh, the middle class by 2026 and demanding middle class ink, uh, diets is at, that, uh, at that time. And exports, we, we've seen that occur in terms of our exports um, coming out of the United States with a switch over from bulk exports to more consumer-oriented exports such as fruit and vegetables, vegetable oils, processed cereal products, and foods uh, which are easy and quick to prepare. Um, of course, this, um, as uh, Maximo points out, doesn't always come with positive uh, uh, results, but certainly it is one that we're seeing as those households move into the middle class. When that occurs um, is a question mark. Certainly we know that um, China is, uh, China per capita GDP is about 15 years ahead of India and Sub-Saharan Africa. So as those countries move into uh, the middle class and as per capita GDP improves in those countries, we're likely to see an increase in meat consumption. Of course, <coughs> the that will differ by country and by consumer preference. Here we see the growth in China mainland in terms of kilograms per capita, consumption of meat and dairy relative to India, and then comparing to Nigeria, um, uh, showing not much growth yet at all. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to speed up a little bit, but just noting that we, we've been noting the growth in global soybean meal demand over the last 50 years, which translates into a fairly stable uh, relatively uh, stable increase in meat demand. We've seen beef demand increasing at a rel relatively stable rate over the last 50 years. Um, I'll just point out that, of course, technology, we, we look at its uh, ability to improve production, but it does come in lots of different flavors, and we know that uh, consumers feel differently about some of these technologies, whether that be biotech, as represented here by the Aquabony salmon, or some of the plant or cell technologies for uh, meat alternatives. And uh, certainly we, we know the technology is improving and bringing down the price of organics as well as um, fruit and vegetable production. Just want to touch briefly on uh, some USDA estimates of food, food insecurity globally. Just a caveat, this year, as many of you know, we've seen some significant decreases in our expectations regarding our corn and our soybean crop. Uh, mostly due to uh, high um, levels of precip precipitation and cold weather in the Midwest. Um, but prior to that, we had been seeing certainly uh, global production exceeding global consumption. 
And that's what pretty much, that's what leads into the, uh, our projections of international food security um, from the Economic Research Service. Looking, our, I'll just point out our, our new reports coming out in several weeks. So these are results from last year's report, which are consistent with the SOFI, just showing that per capita income by region, uh, uh, I should say consistent with the SOFI for uh, 2018, the year of 2018. Of course, this projects out 10 years. Um, just projecting out our expectations about per capita income by region as well as the price of major grains. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, real price is falling, per capita increasing. We do project that um, we're likely to see a significant decline in food insecurity. This is a slightly different metric compared to the SOFI, but still um, consistent depending on whether uh, how you're counting calories in terms of uh, diets. But over the next 10 years, expecting to cut food insecurity, so that's a good message, I think despite the fact that uh, we're not picking up all of the, the issues that are um, occurring today. Um, again, mentioning that the food gap is expected to fall as well, despite the fact that demand is rising. Of course, we all know that that's subject to a lot of uncertainties, whether that be political challenges, whether energy prices, uh, disease, crop or livestock, and policy changes in importing and exporting countries. So to conclude, three quick conclusions. Um, so, uh, so far, productivity demand is keeping up uh, with uh, productivity is keeping up with demand. Um, keeping the SDGs in mind, I would be watching trends in that productivity growth relative to the growth in population. And the question mark would be: Is will will prices continue to fall? Conclusion number two: Assuming that prices continue to fall, will income continue to rise? Of course, as uh, Schengen pointed out, the importance of looking at uh, um, inequality in that. Um, in that metric, and certainly I would uh, echo um, Maximo's points about putting in place some countercyclical policies to help stabilize economic growth as well. And lastly, um, I would watch how technology is treated from a regulatory and policy standpoint around the globe. Given the challenges I mentioned relative to water, climate, and others, like disease, um, for example, African swine fever or HPAI in the poultry sector, the potential for biotechnology remains um, to maintain and increase supplies to meet growing demand is there. The question is, is will it be used?